0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Man, I don't know about you, but um, I'm ready to rock, man. I'm feeling good. I made stock, ste- stock tacos, steak tacos for dinner. And uh, it just does something to your body, especially when you starve it all day. <laughs> and then you're like, guess what? I got steak tacos. It's almost like, um, what is that thing called where hostages start to really like their, the people that captured them? It's like a name. Point is, it's uh, brain manipulation. It's a really unhealthy thing that um, evil people do to other people's brains to turn them into mush and make them, um, you know, adore you. Kind of like cult leaders. That's what I am to my own body. I punish my body and it worships me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Anyways, anyways, let's get started, shall we? Regulators! Let's mount up. If you're wondering why that sounds so familiar. Regulators! Mount up. And if you don't know what either of those things are, shame on you. All right. So as promised, today is going to be uh, Patreon day. I'm going to rip through some of that stuff. We'll see where that leaves us. That may be the entire day. If not, I think we're going to start looking at Washington. Um, Some pretty exciting stuff to look at with Washington. We won't go obviously too in deep, in depth, in in the deeps, um, because it's only Wednesday. First of all, if you want in on the uh, Patreon goodness, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can do that. Thank you to all the uh, supporters. Before we get to the questions, I asked everybody how many wins they think the Packers are going to get this year. Now, it's not the first time I've done that. It won't be the last time I do that. I want to try to track this as we go along. Last time, and there's, there's a nice little uh, middle fingery looking graph here. I'm sure, that, I'm sure there's a more mathematical term for that, but uh, bell curvy, I guess. Come on, it's not that much better. But the, the number one pick last time around, and when did I ask this question? This was September 28th, so this was a while ago most people had it. 21 out of the 54 respondents said 12 wins on the season. The next biggest was 13, the next biggest was 11, and then 14, and then it's pretty well spread out at 8, 9, 10, 15, 16. So this time around, it's almost identical, but just shift everything up one. 21 out of 40, so it's exactly 21, the exact same thing. 21 people said 13, 11 said 14, whereas... Uh, 13, so one higher was the next highest last time, and then 12 has eight votes, then it's sort of 15 and 11, again, kind of on either side of 12 and 14, which is on either side of 13, uh, each has two votes, and then one vote apiece for eight and, or for 10 and 16. The other interesting thing about this, it doesn't taper off at all. Um, the last time around, there was a range from 8 to 16, this time around, it's from 10 to 16. Nobody said nine, eight, seven, six, or 5. So again, the, the the confidence has gone up just one win, which is awesome, but also a little bit disappointing, because I think this was like two weeks ago, so it should have gone up two wins. Well, maybe not. Unless you expected those to be losses, why would it change, right? Kind of looking at some of the comments here, Douglas says, same as I said before, about 13 wins were good, but not Super Bowl winning team good, but we could be that good if we tune up some things like knowing where to be in zone defense. Um, Obviously, I agree with that. That's pretty much been my sentiment. I like the team and I'm really excited about what their full potential could be if they could ever fully get healthy, I think is a bigger thing for me. Um, with Zedarius and Jair in particular, um, and obviously David Bakhtiari on the other side, that's, that's incredibly massive. Brett says, I'm giving us two losses between Arizona, Kansas City, Baltimore, and L.A., I think we beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead and lose to the Cardinals on the road, beat the Rams at home, and then lose to the Ravens in Baltimore. Hopefully, we can get a little healthier by Arizona. So that's another thing that I wanted to do. I was going to do it today, but decided against it. I'll hopefully remember to do it tomorrow. But ask the question, and and I want to have it out there because I'm kind of thinking a few steps ahead here. I want the question to be something along the lines of, what is a reasonable amount of losses given the opponents that we're going to face if you assume that it's a good team, I'm not saying if you think the Packers are trash and they're going to lose all these games. I'm saying pick a good team, whatever you think it is. If you think the Packers are a good team, Chiefs, it, what, what is what is admirable, right? What what is it where if let's say the the Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or whatever ran through our schedule, how many wins and losses could they have where you'd still look at them and be like, now nah, they're still real good? And I understand there's quality of wins and all that, but it's just sort of a general guideline. And, and the biggest reason I want to do that is because there are losses coming. I don't know how many, but it's going to happen. And I just want to have that as a little bit of a buffer so that it's not complete meltdown mode where everybody says, this team is trash. See what happens? You go up against a good team, and then you can't win. Sometimes teams lose games. That's just a thing that happens. In fact, we have not had a team win lossless since what? What was it, like 82 when the Dolphins did it or something stupid? Before I was born, so I don't know. And that was back, I think, when there was a 15-game season. We're at 17 now. So I'll be interested in those results. Uh, Roger says, law of averages has caught up with us this year. The team was very healthy most of last season. This year, not so much. Here's to a healthier last two-thirds of the season. So did want to talk a little bit about that. David Bakhtiari's practicing. I don't exactly know what that means, and I don't want to get overly excited but he's practicing and that is good news. Um sometimes guys practice and they can't play, but it's it's also not very likely that it's like this guy's 4 or 5 6 weeks out, but let's put him on the field and get him practicing. Like why he should be rehabbing if he's that far out, right? So it's they're they're saying he's kind of close. But I don't I don't again, I don't want to read too much into that. Uh there's also talk that MVS may practice this week. Again, I'm not going to get my hopes up. So we did release Quentin Dunbar. Doesn't have to mean anything, and we did pick somebody else up, but the feeling that maybe we don't need the corner depth right now leads me to believe that at least Kevin King is probably looking pretty good to come back. I don't, again, I don't know. But again, we're going to have more insights into the health of the team, um, to, well, today, I guess. Wednesday. Anyways, Wayne says sticking with 15 drew says 14 wins were five and one already washington isn't playing well cardinals are beatable chiefs aren't up to full speed yet wilson might not even be playing for the seahawks our division is bad rams got better on offense but worse on defense lamar jackson still can't throw and the browns have come down to earth i think we have a tough non-divisional schedule but i think we can go five and two in those games and sweep the division i like the uh the confidence there and it is true that you know a lot of these teams you know the the Packers have only one loss, but it's also fair to say that we haven't faced exactly Titans, and that's going to be true of everybody. A lot of these teams, even the Cardinals, have faced subpar teams and have had some near misses. I mean, they they did almost lose to the Minnesota Vikings thirty three thirty four, and if they can just about beat them, why couldn't we beat them? Granted, that was about their only near miss. They've they've been kind of annihilating everybody else right now. Uh, fourth on offense, second on defense, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, again, they well, jeez, they played some good teams, too. Holy cow. They played the Titans, who I think they've been kind of up and down. The Rams, the Browns, the 49ers, the Vikings, and then the Jaguars. So, I mean, the Jaguars aren't good, but, I mean, I don't know. They're, they're in a groove right now. We'll see what happens as the season progresses. Um, who are they got coming up here that we can Houston Texans, and then us, so there's there's no additional tests coming up. <laughs> we're, we're it. After that, they got the 49ers again. They did almost kind of lose to the 49ers. 10 to 17 is pretty close. Crazy, too, considering their other scores were 31, 34, 37, 37, and 38. That's what they've scored in every game, with the exception of that 49ers game, so uh, hopefully the Packers are watching that one real close. Anyways, let's uh, move on over to the questions. Kyle says, Kyle, by the way, um, been a patron since november of 2018 thank you so much for your support after listening to the, to today's pod this is from a while ago uh is Kennedy dominating this season because the darius isn't there to play at nose every so often he's a true nose tackle and has shown when they move him to end he doesn't play as well if i could request one thing from pff for a for a new update it would be they they, they give us grades and they do show us where he like they give us snap counts for all their positions they don't give us grades based on position, and I wish they did. That would be my next biggest thing. I would happily pay extra for that because it's it's super important. If you can see, I think they actually do give grades for like slot and stuff, or at least stats. Maybe they don't give grades, but you know what I mean? If, if you could look at it and say, this is how they grade it as a slot. This is how they grade, you know, for defensive tackle at nose, at uh, end, you know. If you could look at like Zadarius or Rashawn standing up compared to hand in the ground you know, defensive end versus outside linebacker. I mean, that would be unbelievably valuable. A couple notes on your question, though, um, saying that Zedarius kind of steals that no spot once in a while and, and Kenny's kind of, you know, gets pushed out of the side. I have noticed Rashawn has taken that role quite a bit, and I mentioned that a year or two ago, that they're strictly keeping him at outside linebacker because he's he was strictly a defensive end and they want him to strictly learn how to be an outside linebacker. But what I said was they want him to take that Zadarius Smith role where they can eventually move him around. You can have him stand up outside linebacker. You can have him hand in the dirt defensive end. You could also move him along the defensive line. And for the first time this year, and maybe it got hastened because Zadarius is out, they've pushed him into that role where he is lining up over the nose and doing those kinds of things and, and with a good amount of success, I think. But let's take a look at it. Um, One of the new things that they've got is defensive alignment based on just the gap. So let's just look at that, because I think it kind of still answers the question. You got A-gap, which is basically nose. And I'm sure you can get a Coach Hahn in here like, well, technically, listen, Coach, just back up for a minute here. A-gap, B-gap, and then over-tackle. So last year in 2020, he played in the A-gap 23% of the time. So a gaps the a gaps are just to the sides of the center. So he's he's lined up there. Twenty three percent of the time this year. Let's take a look. I'm doing it live, so I don't I don't have a predisposed answer for you. He's played over the a gap fifty six times out of three hundred and four total uh, snaps along the defensive line. That's eighteen point four percent. So there really isn't that big of a difference. If anything, he's kind of it's it's been less. In both seasons, he's largely been B-gap. Now, if we break down actual position, um, nose tackle, they've got it, again, they've got it lined up very specifically. You've got nose tackle, which is just nose to nose with the um, center, and then you get got the shading, nose tackle, uh, nose right tackle, nose left tackle. But where he plays the most is actually what they call defensive right and defensive left tackle, both 79 snaps this year. And essentially what that is, is a 4-3 defensive tackle. So you got four down linemen, and he's one of the guys on the inside. So again, he can't play nose tackle in a 4-3 defense or a a four-man front. And that's primarily what he's been doing. Again, 79 snaps, defensive left tackle, 79 snaps, defensive right tackle. Uh, The next highest is left end. So that's that's the guy to the left of the nose tackle in a 3-4. The next highest is right end. So that's to the right of the nose tackle. Then after that, you've got uh, nose tackle, uh, nose left tackle, and nose right tackle. So those are actually the three least. Granted, you can combine those, and it's but whatever. That's why I did A-gap, B-gap stuff, because then it's less doing math. But um, yeah, no, I, I think it really is just a, a largely a scheme thing. You know, Coach Hahn had mentioned a long time ago about letting him really just kind of roam around. There's a little bit more stunts and twists and things, kind of using him. I guess with the, with the goal in mind of making him free so he can go get somebody. Um, I'm speaking a little bit outside of my realm here, but it felt more like with Mike Pettin, the goal was if you're on the defensive line, you just hold the point. Your job is to hold the point. And then, you know, the linebackers, which clearly Pettin was not really killing it with the linebackers, but they're going to come in and kind of clean things up a little bit. And so I don't know that there was a ton of opportunities for Kenny to really thrive in that style of defense. Whereas again, with this, although they're still doing a fantastic job of kind of holding their point, I think you do see a little bit more of the stunt twist type stuff. Mr. Goose says, I know I asked on Twitter, but I'll ask here for convenience sake. With Rodgers comments that it may not be his last time playing a Packers-Bears rivalry game in Chicago or in Chi-Town, how would the Packers be able to keep the team together if Rodgers stayed? So this is a very popular comment, and I'm guessing people keep asking it because I don't ever answer it. (laughs) Um, My contention is, without having dug into the the nitty-gritty of the contracts, because I don't know enough, I could could take a crack at it. But there's always those couple little tricks that I don't know about that get utilized that I don't really think of. Plus, there's rules to each of these tricks, so I could be like, oh, we can try void years. And they're like, well, technically, you know what? I quit. I'm not doing this. My general thought, though, is if Rodgers leaves we can keep a lot of the gang together. If Rodgers stays, I don't know that we can. We're going to have to restructure his contract, no question about that. Um maybe if there's a lofty extension where we just say listen, if you're going to stay cool but I mean you're do- you're pulling a Tom Brady. You're staying 40 and beyond. So get, you know, stay healthy and all that stuff cuz we're 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 going to extend this thing out. But there's there's going to have to be some serious cuts. And, and again, I think Preston and Zadarius are front and center. It, it may be a situation where, as, as shocking as it might be, Zadarius goes and Preston stays just f- strictly for cap space. I don't know that to be the case. Again, it could be one of those things where I was you know sure Aaron Jones was going to go, and they decided to keep him and found a way. Adrian Amos would be a guy that I would keep an eye on because, you know again, there were certain times where I thought, ooh, you should extend them, or you should do this, and they kind of just played with it a little bit, and it just makes, gives you the feeling like, they're not going to keep them, are they? But again, I think everybody takes that too far also, right? They toyed with Rodgers' contract instead of extending it. They toyed with Zedarius. They toyed with Amos. They toy with a lot of these guys, yeah, because they don't know what they're doing yet. They don't know who's staying and who's going. They don't know the biggest piece, which is Aaron Rodgers. A lot of these guys they're toying with probably can, they can restructure so that they stay if Rodgers leaves. If not, they're going to be glad that they didn't give him an extension because they can't afford him anyways. It doesn't have to mean they're leaving. It just means I don't know that you're staying. So I'm I'm just going to continue giving non-answers for everything 2022 related. You know, how could we keep Aaron Rodgers? How can we keep Zadarius? How can we do... I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. I'm confident we're keeping Devontae unless he tries to force his way out or be unreasonable with the contract. Um, Jair obviously is getting signed. Everything else I have no idea, and I don't know how and I really have not invested a lot of time in it, and despite all the questions, I kind of just refuse to. Aaron Nelson says, could you imagine being the Bears fan that gave Rogers the double bird which caused him to proclaim his de- declaration of ownership? Is there anything more demoralizing than that? You know, I thought about that. I had the exact opposite take, though. Now, it's it's hard to know if you're exactly the one that did it, maybe, but I would think that is the biggest badge of honor ever. First of all, it's kind of like the news cycle is about you this whole time, even though nobody knows who you are. You know what I mean? Like you set the world on fire by giving the person that you really hate the middle finger. And you made him so mad that he went to the podium and talked about this lady who flipped me off and made threw me into such a rage that I just lost my mind. You know how cool that would be? I can't even think of anybody that would be comparable. Um, I mean, you could say Tom Brady, but I wouldn't flip off Tom Brady. And there's nobody within the division that's even good enough to care about. I wouldn't flip off Justin Fields. That just seems rude because it is rude, but it's a little bit understandable when we're talking Bears fans. And, and But again, this this is like the most hated man in the city. Do you understand how hailed that person is going to be? Like, I'm the one that did it. Chicago will throw them a parade. They're going to have a, a, a state holiday after that lady. That was my thought. I, I thought that would be kind of cool. I mean, it's just just to have like an interaction, even less a semi-negative one, but it's just for fun anyways. You know, obviously I don't wish you any harm. I mean, you're a rival. You scored a touchdown. I give you the finger. You yell at me. It's just the way it goes. We go around and around. Anyways, uh, we're kind of at a halfway point. I'm going to stop here. I, I feel like we'll finish up these questions and move on to the next topic relatively quickly. But just in case we don't, let's just make this the halfway point. Again, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. And again, again, the best way to help out this podcast, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell your coworkers, get everybody involved. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones, Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Mr. Jim Thompson says, I understand why you focus so much on Justin Fields in real life, but why are you still holding him on your fantasy team? Oh, all right. Look, here's the thing. First of all, I forgot. All right. <laughs> I have barely first of all, one little point. One of these leagues, I'm in three different Patreon leagues. One of them is just hot garbage because I keep forgetting to set my lineup. And somehow I'm like, I have one loss in that league. Y'all need to up your game. I should be like, oh, and six, oh, and five, whatever week we're on. But yes, I, I in fact, I was getting tore up in that, um, I think that was the same league, because I not only picked Justin Fields, I picked David Montgomery as my running back, so I was catching some heat for that. I might have even got Robinson, possibly, probably not, I don't know. Yeah, so it's the uh, Packernet 2, I got Justin Fields, I've got David Montgomery, is there anybody else? No, but I do have TJ Hawkinson of the Lions. Alexander Madison of Minnesota, um, and I don't have a single Green Bay Packer. So this is my Packer hater league right here. I have all three teams non-Packers represented, zero Packers on this team, and two Chicago Bears, including Justin Fields. This is the ultimate, um, just kicking the teeth league. Should be noted, however, I actually am one in five in that league. I'm four and two in the other one, and five and one in uh, Packer net three, but. The team where I have no Packers, two Bears, a Viking, and a Lion, I am one in five. So let that be a lesson to you, to all of you. Um, as far as why I still have them on the team, I don't know. I will try to find somebody as a replacement one of these days. Um, I Listen, I, I did have, I like picking up rookies. I really do. And I've had some success with that because they always go late and there's still the possibility that they're really, really good. It's always unlikely that like some mediocre seventh round guy is going to be just a stud. But you're talking 8th, ninth round rookies that were like possibly first round pick wide receivers or quarterbacks? Like, uh, yeah, dude, I'll take a flyer on that. You never know. He could be Pat Mahomes. I was wrong. He's not. (laughs) Uh, Roger says, if you could play team doctor and heal two players before the Cardinals road game, who would you heal? Uh, Cardinals. Um, I'm tempted to say, well, who's all hurt? (laughs) I'm tempted to, I mean, Jair is a, is 100% Jair. No question in my mind. I've already said, I, I think outside of Aaron Rodgers, Jair might be the number one piece. I know Bakhtiari is there, Zadarius is there. There's a lot of important pieces. Uh, you could argue Devontae and Bakhtiari and whatnot, but I think Jair might be the most important piece that we have. A true, legitimate Darrell Revis Island lockdown cornerback is so unbelievably valuable. Outside of that, you've got David Bakhtiari and Zadarius come immediately to mind. You've also got Darnell Savage, but I don't know that he takes precedence. The only reason I wouldn't say David Bakhtiari, and I probably should, is the offensive line has done such a good job. Not that the defensive line hasn't necessarily, but I just think they need to be really, really good. And if you get, I mean, if you take the production of Kenny and the production of Rashawn, which again is not sacks, but all the pressures, if you can put Zadarius in there and say, let's say you get another five, six pressures and a sack or two from Zadarius on top of six pressures, two sacks from Kenny on top of seven pressures from Rashawn. And I know we're talking about a a very mobile quarterback, but um, I think that's pretty critical to to be able to maintain and and continue that level of pressure. And I don't know that Preston is ever really going to bring that Uh, again. He's done a great job defending the run, which I think is kind of tapered. Great as tapered the last few weeks, but he's done a good job more or less for the year, but i would lean in that direction the other way to look at it would be take jair back we've got decent pressure let's get our offensive line in tip top shape to prevent their pass rushers as a primary thing but also really up upgrade and bolster our rushing game so that we can you know have a balanced attack win the, the time of possession and just have an overall dominant offense so that if you know if we're going to play air it out football and i think our defense is going to have a hard time slowing them down we have all the pieces and tools that we possibly need in our arsenal to make sure that our offense isn't stalling out. We can do anything and everything we want, and you kind of need that in those kinds of games. So um, I don't know. You could go either direction, but maybe it makes more sense to say Bakhtiari and Jair. But either way, Jair is is number one on my list. Tom says, gotta be honest, A-Rod comes off as an awesome dude swearing at Bears. He's definitely the anti-Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest, Tom gets fired up, and that's one of the things that I always liked about Tom, maybe as opposed to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron got excited. It's not like he never celebrated, although there was, what was it, 2018, where, like I've said several times, everybody would just walk back to the bench after a, a touchdown and not do anything. But he's never been a big rah-rah guy. And not that Tom's necessarily rah-rah. I mean, he's just, he's like the Steve Jobs of football. It's just, he just screams at everybody, and then there's a very emphatic screaming session and celebration after the after the play, but... It is good to see that side of Aaron Rodgers. Let's just say that. To just see him cut loose and just be an absolute psychopath. And 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 to see the emotion, too, because, you know, there's always this thing where um, everybody kind of pretends fans are stupid, you know? Players especially do. Coaches do. Um, people in the media maybe kind of do, but medium people are more like fans these days than even fans are, which is over-the-top hyperbole and everything. But when you see players react that way, like their fans. You know, you see the the passion that they have. It's not just a job. It's not just a paycheck. It's not just about being a professional like this. I mean, think about how much of a Packer fan he is, right? I mean, that, that's that's the cool thing about it. It's not like we're just watching Aaron Rodgers and, and we worship Aaron Rodgers and he's at the top of this totem pole. He's a part of this thing. I mean, he's, he's inside of it and we're on the outside of it, but he's also a giant Packer fan. He celebrates the touchdowns with us. And yeah, seeing that side where he even despises Chicago Bears fans and screams at them, that takes it to another level where, again, it's not just celebrating his own accomplishments. It's, no, forget the Bears in particular, because I'm a Packer. Through and through, I am a Green Bay Packer. It's in my blood. It's in my DNA. And as such, I do not like the Chicago Bears. I don't like the city, and I don't like these fans. It's just kind of a cool way of looking at it as opposed to, you know he's a part of the thing that we like like we like the packers and he is the packers it's more like he's leader of the fan club i don't know mr dan says what is different this season compared to 19 and 20 that the team recovers from game adversity team maturity more buy into the system question mark i'm not sure i can answer that question the i mean the the thing that has to exist is a belief that you can win and that ultimately is what is what has always been missing. I mean, when when I say that things are going bad and they bury their head in the ground and they start playing badly, it's because the feeling that all the fans have, even the ones that pretend that they don't and they're super confident, when you can feel the game shifting away from you, like the Packers have had in every single game this entire year where it's like, oh my goodness, we're actually going to lose to the Lions. Oh my goodness, we're actually going to lose to the Bears. I cannot believe we're going to get stomped out by the Steelers, right? Every game, they start out hotter than we do. Our defense can't stop anybody. Our offense is struggling to move. And it's like, well, this is going to be a terrible game. The point is, the team can feel that also. And uh, it, it it takes a absolute physical and mental and emotional toll. And what it takes is the amount of mental and emotional strength to, while all these things are happening realize, and and it's almost like a bravado. You look at the score and you realize you're down seven. You look at the fact that they've been able to stop us on these last few drives, and it doesn't phase you because I know I'm better than you. And yeah, you beat me that last time, but I know you won't beat me this time. It just doesn't matter. I'm better than you. Keep smiling, see what happens. And it's that belief and it's that buy-in, and I think it starts at the top. Devontae obviously has that. That guy is going to show up every single time, every single play, it doesn't matter. I think the fact that Aaron Rodgers has it is critical and i think he's been a big part of the 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 uh, what am i trying to say the opposite of the problem the solution i guess this the reason is because he was i think in the past a big part of the problem when he started pouting and moping and giving off vibes like well this is done this is horrible i can't do this you know we're not going to win people kind of tuck tail and run I, I, I again i've said it many times but i remember so many times back in the day 18, 17, 16 whatever where when Rodgers doesn't play well, or even when, when, when Rodgers got hurt, the defense struggled mightily. Why? Why would that happen? I think the team, I mean, everybody feeds off of everything, right? You, you see the benefit that the team has when they're at home and the crowd is cheering. It doesn't really make logical sense. The noise doesn't make them run faster or whatever, but it's an emotional game. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, weightlifting. Have you ever tried to lift weights and like listen to classical music, just completely cold? You know, you're not warmed up. You're not psyched up. You just get underneath a bench and you listen to really slow music and you just try to lift weight compared to just getting completely, absolutely jacked up to the point where in your own mind, you believe that if it was 500 pounds, you could lift it. There is an actual difference, a hundred percent. And there's so many little things that happen that impact the player's mentality and having that mentality that being down doesn't mean jack squat because we're better than you. And again, I do think it starts at the top with the coaches, but especially with guys like Aaron Rodgers, guys like Devonte Adams. You know, on the defense, you got guys like Kenny, guys like uh, whoever, Rashan. You know, Rashan never quits. That guy's never powdered in his life. That guy gives 110% every single play, no matter what. Amos Savage. Right. The point is, they're just not shaken up by stuff. And and I know that's kind of your question. Well, why? I, I, it's just a mentality. Being down doesn't mean anything. It's it's that Jair swagger. And as long as you got the swagger, as long as you know I'm better than you, there's no reason to pout. There's no reason to get upset or to get flustered or I mean, you can you can get frustrated with a, a play that happened or a, a certain thing that happened in the moment, but to let it devour you, you know. I mean, we we do this in our own lives. You know, we're, we're struggling financially, and and you have a $500 car repair. And it took you six months to save $500, and now it's going to get sucked up in this stupid piece of junk car. I can't even tell you how many times I've been there. And and to be honest, the prospect of me saving $500 in six months was a joke. Feeling like you're never going to... But but again, it's one of those things where something happens and it, you just go into depression mode. It's never going to get better. I'm never going to And the And I think they do the same thing too, just to different degrees. And for whatever reason, the Packers just had a cancerous mentality, and I do think it started with Aaron Rodgers. And again, for to his credit, that just isn't as much the case anymore. The team just keeps playing, and and there's no reason why they shouldn't. Again, it's human nature that they do, and it's completely understandable, but it's just being able to tune all that out. Just like with Mason Crosby, you know, it, it's having the mentality to miss a field goal and come back and just completely erase it from your memory. It's what you teach kickers. It's what you teach corners. you got to have a short memory, and I think the rest of the team— has to develop that short memory, and it seemingly they have. They don't dwell on stuff, they just go execute. I don't know why, but I love it. Eric says, do you think Tunyon has regressed this year because of his execution or because he's been asked to do more blocking chipping with the O-line issues? Well, we can look at snap counts. I will say, though, that the grades are pretty bad for him, so that would denote that it's just him not doing well. Tunyon last year had a 68 overall grade, uh, 71 receiving grade, um, this year Tunyon has a 49 overall grade, a 52.3 receiving grade. So, um, also even worse than that, if you look at the blocking, he wasn't a great blocker last year. He had a 53.9 pass blocking grade, um, which isn't great. It's below average right now. He has a 15.3 pass blocking grade. It's as bad as you could possibly get. So the receiving ability has completely dropped off by the way, his drop grade is a 60.6, which was his real strong suit his entire career is that guy doesn't drop anything. He had a 90.5 drop grade. In other words, his catching ability was elite. Right now, it's average. The only thing he didn't do great was pass blocking, but it went from below average to like the worst you've ever seen. For reference, last year, Jay Sternberger's pass blocking grade was a 24.6. Tunyon is a 15 right now. Now, in terms of snap counts... They actually give us this exact answer. It's a nice little thing. Again, they keep adding um, little stats and whatnot, and this is obviously a very helpful one for this exact reason. They've got, for example, in Minnesota week one, 25 times he was in on pass plays. Once he passed block, 24 times he was a receiver. That's 96%. On the season, 494... uh, This is 2020. I was going to say he hasn't played 400 snaps. So week one, it was 24... um, pass snaps, whatever. 21 was receiving, and I have no idea what the other three were because uh, he has zero pass blocking snaps. (laughs) But let's just look at it for the season. In 2020, the percentage of times on pass plays that um, he was a receiver was 87.2% of the time. 87.2% of the time, he was a receiver on pass plays, not a blocker. So far this year, it's 91.6% of the time. So he's more of a receiver now than he was a blocker, uh, than he is a blocker, than he was last year. In fact, he's been a pass blocker in six weeks, only twice, which probably is a big part of the reason why his grade is so low, because it's only been two times and he probably gave up a sack um, on one of those two tries. But they just, they don't have him do it. He's just a receiver. That's what he is. Now, there is also run blocking he's done that 78 times now to be clear if we're talking about blocking versus anything else 233 total snaps on offense um there have been 80 blocking snaps so 34.3% of the time he's blocking last year it was 37.7 so even still it was higher as a blocker last year than it is so far this year i mean it's it's very similar we're still talking roughly 90% of the time 85 to 90% of the time whatever um well, I guess if we're talking about anything that isn't any kind of blocking, it's like 65% of the time, roughly. So I don't, th- in other words, I don't think there's been a big shift. I think he's still the same guy. But if anything, he's, he's more of a receiver now than he was. So uh, I, it's, it's a good hypothesis, but I don't think that's the case. I just think, uh, and, and here's the other thing, though. You got to remember, Tunyon, and, and this is what I keep saying, Tunyon was bad most of the time last year. The reason he got so many accolades, the reason he got so many stats, and the reason that uh, he got so much love was because of the games in which he played well. Um, but he had, for example, week one, a 47 overall grade, uh, 48, a 49, a 52, a 55, 56, 59, 62, 63, 65, 65. I mean, most of the year was average or less. He had one game where he graded out in the 80s. No, none in the '90s, and one, two, three, four, five in the '70s. So, I guess the point is he's off to a really slow start. It's still possible that he pops off and gets a handful of good games here and there. I mean, between weeks uh, six and ten, he had a five-week dry spell with no touchdowns. In that stretch, he had, uh, you know, against Jacksonville, four targets, three receptions, 33 yards, no touchdown. One target, one reception, five yards, no touchdowns. Um, two targets, two receptions, 32 yards four targets, three receptions, 25 yards, and then there was one mixed in with 79. So, I mean, that entire stretch was pretty bad. There were no touchdowns in only one game of over uh, of any significant amount of yards. But then he kind of bounced back. He got his one touchdown in Week 11, even though it was only 44 yards. He got 67 yards and a touchdown against Chicago, 39 and a touchdown. Again, he didn't get a lot of yards or do a ton other than get a bunch of touchdowns, but he was still there. And, and again, I still think there's time for him to be a splash player like he was. Same with Lazard, same with Randall Cobb and all these guys. The point is, he hasn't done it yet, like at all. And he has to have at least a day where he's doing something. But anyways, that is the end of the questions. I think I am going to cut it there because it's about 8 o'clock. Uh, we could talk about Washington, but um, I need to get rock into bed here and this thing takes forever to upload. So I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have yourselves a good one. Bye-bye.